in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboriculture industry. Today's talk is by Lori Ballard of Samnick and Ballard Expert Tree Consultants on the importance of an arborist's written report in legal matters. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA International Conference in Orlando, Florida. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I am Lori Ballard and I work with Joe Samnick and our practice thrives on legal cases. We do wrongful death personal injury, eminent domain, and neighbor dispute cases. Um, if you guys don't do a lot of legal cases in your practices, I still feel like you're going to learn some techniques today that you're going to be able to take back to your offices and help to improve your reports. So um, how many of you here actually write reports? Okay, how many of you don't write reports? Come on, don't be shy. One person, huh? Just one? David Riley, I know it. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really glad to have you here today. I hope you enjoy this. Um, I usually speak for the Florida chapter, so I'm used to looking in the audience and seeing a lot of familiar faces, which I do today too, but I see a lot of unfamiliar faces, which is a nice change for me. And what a beautiful place to be in, right? My son said, Mom, are you nervous about your talk today? And I said, oh, well, you know, it's international crowd today. And he goes, well, what difference does it make? And I said, I have to do my presentation in four different languages. And he goes, what? I said, no, I'm just teasing, bud. He goes, well, because you can't even speak too, Mom. I'm like, no, you're right, I can't. So, but anyways, so I'm glad to have you here today. And um, we are going to start with the fundamentals, of course. Um, I took a two-and-a-half-day course to learn how to write reports, so... I've been giving you a Herculean task of teaching you guys in 40 minutes. So, but I'm a very goal-oriented person, so we're going to get started, and we're going to move, okay? So the first thing I need you to do is, of course, get a piece of paper, because we're going to create this report together. And if you don't have a piece of paper, you can borrow one from your neighbor, okay? All right, so I've learned in life that the most important thing to do is start with the most boring thing first, because you'll keep putting it off and putting off. So we're going to start with formatting. So we're going to do this cover page together, okay? Starting with your company logo and your contact information on the top of your paper. Most important thing, they need to be able to know how to get in contact with you. I always like to add a little bit of color to my reports, makes them stand out, makes them a little bit more interesting for the reader. You may want to consider doing that as well. Always, always, always put your assignment name on your report. I can't tell you how many times I found one page of a report somewhere in my file, and I don't know where it goes. And I know you guys are probably a lot more organized than I am, but it happens. So make sure you include your assignment name. And very, very detailed recipient information as well. 
Ah, oh, sign it. Everything on these pages is your thoughts, your opinions, your research, and most importantly, your time. Sign it. Put your John Hancock on it. Own it. Own everything on these pages. And remember, when you sign it, you're owning it. And you're going to hear that a lot today. Own it. And last but not least, make sure you include your credentials. Let them know why you are an expert in this subject and why you have the right to make these opinions in this report. All right, now we're going to move on to the body of the report. Once again, make sure you include your assignment name. And I always like to include a footer on mine that includes all of the official information from the beginning of the report. But most importantly here, what I want you to look at is the page number. You would be surprised how many people don't put page numbers on their reports. And there's nothing worse than being on the phone with a client or even worse being across from opposing counsel in a deposition. And they say, Ms. Ballard, can you look on page 16 of your report? And I'm going, one, two, three. It's happened. So don't let that happen to you. Put page numbers on it. Seems basic, but you'd be surprised on how many people do not do it. All right, Tiding, your heading titles, bolded. Make sure you bold them. This shows organization, and it's easier for the reader to follow. Use an, un, an uncommon font. I usually use like Garmin or Book Antique or something. Just make sure the font that you pick is easy to read. Um, also, make sure you use a um, font of at least 11 points. Sometimes smaller fonts are very difficult to read and can get very, very monotonous. Um, engagement, that would be like, as you requested on uh, Saturday, March 21st, I um, did my tree assessment, I completed my assignment, engagement type thing. Um, and uh, one and a half to two, um, two line spacing for ease of reading as well. All right, we've gone over a few of the, um, the formatting things. Now I want to talk to you a little about writing. Um, rules. Remember I said at the very beginning, you have to own this. So you want to follow good writing rules. First thing you want to do is stay within your area of expertise. The hardest report to write is a report on an area of expertise that you know nothing about. Report writing is hard enough as it is, but don't get yourself out of your sandbox. Stay in your sandbox and you'll find report writings that much easier. Do your homework. Don't let them catch you not doing your homework thoroughly. Make sure you do all of your research and make sure you check it and check it and check it. Use an active voice. Use a strong voice. I conducted. Remember, everything in these pages is your thoughts, your opinions, your research, and your time. Own it. Make sure you own it. Do not guess. Oh, guessing wreaks havoc on your credibility, you guys. Don't do it. If you don't know for sure, don't put it on that piece of paper. Make sure you do the research to follow it up. Don't use absolute words like always and never. One example, one counterexample proves your statement wrong, and you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Don't be vague. What did I say before? Own it. Own everything on those, that piece of paper. Don't be vague. And don't be wishy-washy. Nobody likes wishy-washy people. I can't stand it when you go to a 
the homeowners are the worst. You walk into the house and they're, oh, no, no, all about this and that. Get to the point. Tell me what you need. Let's do it. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't bold or underline anything but headings. What makes this word more important than that word, that sentence more important than that sentence? It makes you look like an advocate. You're trying to draw attention to one thing that's more important than another, which can make you look like an advocate. Be precise. Once again, I'm going to say it again, guys. Own it. You're going to be able to say it back to me. Own everything on those pages. Avoid third person. Unless somebody worked with you on that assignment, there is no we. It's I. I did it. Define industry terms. Remember, you're, you're writing for a lay audience. Not everybody knows what a codom is, included bark. Nobody knows, not everybody knows what a, whatever that is, knuckle boom thing over there that I read on the sign. I don't know what that is. Make sure you're, you're writing for the lay audience. Be specific. You guys know it now. You tell me. Own it. Own it. Be specific. Explain abbreviations and acronyms. Don't assume everybody knows what ISA stands for. Write it out. Make sure they know what ISA stands for. Avoid speeches. You are not the smartest person in the room, and don't write your reports like you are. Avoid those speeches in your reports. Nobody wants to hear that. Avoid pronouns, he, she, it, they, he, who, she, who, who are they, it, what. Be specific. Avoid slang. I don't have to say much about that. I don't think you guys are putting slang in your reports. And don't use head words. Hedge words could, may, it, seems. What did I, how many times have I said it? You guys say it back to me now. Okay. Own it. There is no could. There are seems. It is. Own it. Okay. So now we go. Here we got our report. Everybody, this is what it looks like, right? You took really good notes. You got your second page, right? Everybody got a good-looking report? All good? All right. This is what I want you to do with it. Throw it in the trash. Okay? I know you're all sitting out there looking at it, you're going, what? Came here to learn how to write a report, and now you're telling me to throw it in the trash? The best report is a report that's never written. I'm going to prove that to you today, okay? Why? You're saying why is the best report is a report that's never written. Keeps the other side guessing. If it's not on paper, they don't know what's up here. If you don't write it down... They'll never know until the time comes for them to find out. Opposing counsel won't know what to ask you at that position. It's a great position to be in, sitting across from that opposing counsel. They have no idea where your thoughts are, what your opinions are, where to go. And the other side can't catch you if you make a mistake. For those of you who don't do legal assignments, this is the most important part for you. This will wreak havoc on your credibility when you make mistakes in your report. And believe me, I'm going to give you my little disclaimer now. We're going to talk about a lot of mistakes that people make in the reports, and I'm not just specifically talking about any individual person in this room. I'm just talking about people in the industry. Do your homework. How many of you in here do your homework? Really? You, you all think you do your homework? 
you dot all your I's, you cross all your T's, you check and recheck. We're almost back in high school, guys. People do not do their homework. They do not do their homework. Think before you write. Because if it's written in a report, we're going to get you every time. We love reports. We love to get your reports. We love to look at them. We love to scan through them and pick them apart and, and go back and do the research that you did or you thought you already did. So we got gotcha, you, okay? I want to show you some examples of some actual reports from actual cases that we've done and some of the things that people put in the reports. And I promise you, nobody in here is, does, is no one in here. I checked the guest list, and you're not, on, you're not in here. All right? So industry standards. Everybody knows what this is, right? Everybody knows ANSI, right? We love ANSI. We love it. You know why? Because nobody really knows it that well. They don't do their homework. So this is what was written in the report. The property owner should have retained a certified arborist to do a tree risk assessment. Sounds perfectly logical, right? No? Somebody in the front row say no? Seems good. I mean, tree risk assessment, track, right? NCA 300 part nine, all good. So incident happened in 2010. Who in here knows when track and NCA 300 part nine was published? Anyone? Is Norman here? 2011. Every single thing that that guy wrote in his port report was done. His whole case was done because of that one sentence right there. Done. You cannot base a case on a standard that hasn't even been published at the time of the incident. He didn't do his homework. Let's look at another one. 40% rule. Anybody in here know what a 40% rule is? No? You, you know what the guy in the picture's doing, right? Yes, resistograph. So this is what the report said. The results of the resistograph determined that 40% of the incident tree had decay, therefore the tree should have been removed. What's wrong with that statement? Exactly. Does anybody in here know at what percentage a tree should be removed based on how much decay it has? Anybody? Of course you don't, because there's no threshold in the industry that says a tree should be removed at any particular percentage of decay. Once again, that one statement, we had him right there, whole case, done, done. One statement, didn't do his homework. Graphs and tables, oh, everybody loves to put graphs and tables in the reports, makes them look smart. You have these great graphs in there. They're going to understand what I have to say because I'm going to put this really, really nice graph in. So let's see what happens. The rainfall was unseasonably high, and the subject trees died from being planted in sandy soil, which has a slow percolation rate. We read that, and we went, oh, boy, this guy. What? But maybe he'll get it right, right, in a graph. How are you going to find a graph that's going to show you sandy soil with a slow percolation rate? This was in his report, or her report. Let's not make any generalization. We were almost dying laughing, honestly. But it was, could have just been a simple mistake on his part. It could have been a slip of a word, but for him to have it not only in the text, but also to show it on the chart. Be careful, guys. Do your homework. 
Transform, oh, I love the trunk formula method. Then every week at a time, anytime we get a report in and it has any appraisal in it, Joe just passes it right to me. So how many of you in here do appraisals? Good. Oh. If for those of you who don't do appraisals, you can see from how convoluted this formula is how easy it is to make mistakes. And oh, do we see them. Our favorite is we say people are making up their own recipe or they're tinkering with the formula. They take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, I don't really understand that part, so I'm not going to use that one. I'm going to use this. Guys, it's not going to hold up. It's no longer tested and it's no longer peer-reviewed. Your value is not going to hold up. You have got to follow the formula that's in the guide. Largest, most commonly available transplantable tree. People get this wrong all the time. It's not the same size tree as the incident tree. It's not a one-inch tree. It's not some random number that you just decided was the best number to use. It's the largest, most commonly available transplantable tree. You gotta do a market study, you gotta find it out. But some of you in here are very fortunate. Why? Because your state or your chapter provides that information for you. The problem is, is you use it, but you don't bother to see when the last time it was updated. I'm the chair of the species rating committee for the, for the Florida chapter right now. We are updating our species rating list. It hasn't been updated since 2001. 2001, and I've been doing it for two years, trying to get it updated from 2001. Check the dates on these publications. You cannot use information for 2001 for something that's going on right now. It's outdated. You've got to do new studies, get new information. Math mistakes. Oh, you guys, the math mistakes. Look at this formula. Do you know how many opportunities there are for math mistakes? I've probably done, and I kid you not, how many times I've done the trunk formula method. I couldn't even count how many times I've done it. And I check my math two, three, four, five times. I even get other people to check my math for you, for me, and I still make mistakes. It's so easy to do, it really is. And even if I know a lot of people have the formula input on their computer, so all they have to do is put the numbers in, people still make mistakes because you're doing a hundred and some odd trees and you just, you slip a key or whatever. Check your math. Oh, please, I'm begging you, do it. All trees, this is for more of you consulting people who write reports. All trees shall be pruned according to ANSI A300 Part 1. I see it, if I had a dollar for every time I saw it, I'd tell Joe I was retiring. I see it all the time. What's wrong with this, guys? Right in the front of the book, they, ANSI, are not intended to be used as specifications in and of themselves. You have got to be specific in your specifications. You've got to give them your objective. You've got to tell them where in the tree you want it pruned, what size parts you want pruned, what type of pruning cut. You can't just say prune according to ANSI A300 Part 1. You, could you see the person sitting there going through ANSI like this? What the hell does this guy want me to do? Can't do it. All the time I see this, constantly. Quoting specs. How many, do I have any LAs in the room? One LA. Let me tell you, you're all alone. Arborists love to use your specs to get their clients out of trouble. Love it. They do it all the time. They look through those specs and they quote those specs and they don't do their homework. This is what happens here. 
The newly planted three-inch caliper trees that are in decline received approximately five gallons of water a day. What did I do? I went to the landscape architect specs. What did they say? Trees should be watered according to the following schedule. Three gallons of water per caliper inch per day for the first month. And I'm going, three times three is nine and five. Ain't working, guys. This guy thought he had to get out of jail free card. We watered those trees. Yeah, you didn't water the trees according to the way the LA specs you to water those trees, and they're dying. Of course they're dying. You're not giving them enough water. Case closed instantly. Pictures. Oh, people love to put pictures in their reports. Make them pretty, you know, they put borders around them and everything. They are pretty, but be careful with your pictures. Look what happens here. Tree number 32 is a 12 inch live oak tree with a codominant trunk and included bark. I'm serious, guys. This happens. And you know why it happens? Is because you have information in multiple places in your report. So make sure you're cross-checking your pages. Make sure you're checking your data and rechecking it and rechecking. Yeah, they got the codon part right. That's about it. More pictures. Oh, I love, I love it when people do this. There are three palm trees that should be removed due to close proximity to the existing building. Great, I think it's a great statement. How close is too close? Never said it in the report how close was too close. Never showed it on the picture how close is too close. What does that picture tell me? Nothing. I can't tell how close that is. Yeah, it looks too close, but how much is too close? Be specific. All right, there are situations where you don't have a choice. You have to write a report. And these are some of the instances when that happens. You're testifying in a federal case. You can only testify with, with what's in your report. Write all you want, guys, as long as you can back it up, because if it ain't on those pieces of paper, you can't testify to it. So if you're testifying in a federal case, write your report and put it all in there. Let it all hang out. Some states require a report. Be careful where you're practicing, because sometimes you don't have a choice but to write a report. Thank goodness I don't work in one of those states because that would be difficult for me. Better expert in a better case. Retaining counsel wants the other side to know what kind of expert they have and they want them to see they have a better case in hopes that they'll settle. We've seen this before because your retaining counsel really feels like they have an open and shut case and they want to prove that the other side. And last but not least, when you're the plaintiff's expert, it's almost next to impossible not to write a report because you have the burden of proof. So you have to write that report. But when you do, just remember some of those basics that we talked about. So there are rules when you are actually writing a report and you're requested to write one. Number one rule, don't write a report unless retaining counsel requests one. Don't offer it up. Have your retaining counsel tell you, I want a report. Make them pay for your opinion. Don't give it away. Remember, everything there, it's your thoughts, your opinions, your research, your time. Don't give that away. It's very, very precious, and it's very important, and you've worked hard for that. Don't just give it away. And don't let retained counsel bully you into writing a report until you've completed all of your homework. We get this all the time. I need a report. I need a report. And we're like, we're not ready to write a report. I don't care. I need a report. No, you're not getting one. 
you have to wait until I have done all my research and I know what I'm writing on those pages is going to hold up in court and hold up in my deposition. So don't let them bully you into doing that. When you do have to write a report, write using the, what we call the less is more approach. If I had a dollar for every time I had an attorney tell Joe or myself, you're the only experts I know that can write a four-page, six-page, 16-page report and say absolutely nothing. The report says nothing, and they're amazed by that. And you actually can do it. In the less is more approach, remember, don't give the shop away. Keep it close. Don't let it all hang out. Stay on the surface. Keep strong points and pressure points for depot and trial. Don't write it on those papers. You don't get paid by the pound, so keep it short and sweet. It doesn't matter whether your, your report's two pages or 80 pages. It's still your report, and you don't get paid by the pound. Don't write your report. Remember I said, don't write your report like you're the smartest person in the room. You're not. You're not the smartest person in the room, and don't write your report that way. Now, I'm going to show you some examples um, of some actual reports that we've gotten through on actual cases once again, and this is sometime where they did not use the less is more approach. In my opinion, the subject tree was struck by lightning on May 16, 2012. There was an unusually strong storm that lasted from 6.12 to 6.37 p.m. During the storm, there were 152 recorded lightning strikes. The lightning entered on the east side of the canopy and exited two feet above grade. The lightning strike caused a three-foot long by two-foot wide wound that will never close. You guys see, this is all the stuff that we've already talked about here, right? How would I do it? In my opinion, the subject tree was struck by lightning. That's all they need to know, right? Until you're sitting across from them at deposition. I mean, all I have to do is pull a weather, a weather report for May 16th of 2012, find out exactly how long the storm lasted, and if it lasted one minute longer than what this author put in this report. And hundred, he's a weatherman now. Are you an arborist or are you a weatherman? I don't know. And then never, I love the never, will never close. Let's look at another one. In my opinion, the subject tree that failed was a 32-inch DBH laurel oak. The subject tree had a very large wound with decay. Laurel oaks are poor compartmentalizers, and therefore the structural integrity of the tree was compromised, causing it to fall on Miss. Smith and caused flaccid paralysis. Does anybody in this room know what the hell flaccid paralysis is? <laughs> of course you don't. You're an arborist. How the hell do they know what flaccid paralysis is? They're going to say, oh, the doctor said it. You're not, you're not here to talk about what the doctor said. You're here to talk about the subject tree that failed. You're not here to talk about what happened in Mrs. Smith and how she got flaccid paralysis. So what would I say? In my opinion, the subject tree was a 32-inch DBH laurel oak with visible decay. They've got nowhere to go. They've got nowhere to go. You guys liking this? Yeah. I wish it. Less is more. Thank you, Charlie. I'll say spend 40 minutes trying to explain to you guys. Less is more. <laughs> In my opinion, the trees subject to this assignment are typical forest trees and are all competing for light and are not in very good condition. There are a few larger trees in the pasture area that have plenty of room to grow and are in better condition. 
This is a great example for your, your consultants out there who do tree inventories. I've worked with a lot of consultants who, when they do tree inventories, it is required by some jurisdictions to put specific notes and stuff, but they write this lengthy thing about everything that happened with, I mean, I've done tree inventories with thousands of trees, and you can imagine how long that report is. So um, I do, my per tree findings may be found in the discussion section of this report, and then I just have a chart there. That way they're not dissecting every opinion you had about every single tree out there. And the condition section, this condition section, I don't want you to get confused by that. It just depends on what jurisdiction you're working in. Some jurisdictions do a zero to six point scale. Some do a zero to 100. This particular jurisdiction did does poor, fair, good, that type of thing. So make it as general as you possibly can. Less is more. So what, so what I, the last thing I want to talk about, we only have five minutes, is there are going to be occasions in your career where you're going to get an opportunity to say, the best thing for me to do is not write a report. We talked about that. But there are going to be times in your career where you're not going to have a choice. You're going to have to write a report. Now, remember I said at the very beginning of this presentation, I sat in a class for two and a half days to learn how to write a report. There is a technique to use to write, and they called the name of the um, class was a bulletproof report for testifying in court. So there are techniques that you can use. But I just gave you the highlights. I mean, there is no way that I could give you what I learned in two and a half days in 40 minutes. But if you could walk away from class today remembering that everything on the, in that report is your thoughts, your opinions, your research, and your time, and you own everything that's on those pages, and you don't get paid by the pound, I hope you learned at least that from today. So I hope that you learned more than that, but if you could walk away with at least that in 40 minutes, I think I would be happy as a speaker. So um, I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the conference. This concludes Lori Ballard's talk on writing reports the right way. To learn more about industry standards and written reports, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the book, a Consultant's Guide to Writing Effective Reports by the American Society of Consulting Arborists. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store and select Online CEU Quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer. Every day, climb with the ISA. 